things come up and you and you and you go through those like when certain stories pop up in on Facebook or Truth About Pet Food post something and you're just like there's a little bit of hype for it for a little while and then that kind of moves on and you go through it over through the course of the years and then you've got new people who come on and you're happy for new people to come on but we're like oh yeah we've we've dealt with this we moved past it and you've been kind of in it for a while so you kind of forget what's happened and yeah. it's it, I always have that reminder because I'm in so many Facebook groups and I'll, I'll go through my group newsfeed and look at questions from people who are brand new and brand new and brand new. They're like, I'm getting ready to transition. And, and I forget that so many people are learning about it and, and kind of wanting to go the fresh food way, which is great, but it, it's, it's that weird kind of wonky feeling when we're still learning ourselves, but mm-hmm. we've been in it for so long and then trying to remember how you were when you just started and, yeah. and asking the, you know, what I, I call them stupid questions. Cause it's just like, I should know the answer, but I don't. And I always preface it. Like I have a stupid question and most people are, they kind of do the same thing. They're just like, forgive me. I don't know what I'm asking, but I'm just learning. So you have to appreciate that they're learning, but then you kind of remember where we are and how long we've been in it. So it's a lot of grace to be given and, but still, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know the right term for it, but it's, it's kind of like, it's good, but it's weird at the same time. I know, and I think that's why I wanted to do this project um, for so many reasons. Um, number one, because I love you as a human being. I think you're just awesome, you know. And like I told you, you know, you're you're like the closest bird mama I know. And I, in my heart, I wish I had like you know, whole, you know, birds around me. But I I, I can't right now because I think there'll be a massacre, you know, if, if my cats and dogs got involved. Um, but you know, living through you vicariously through your life and, um, what you share, um, it's, it's something that, you know, I like you so much. I just, I just want to spend more time with you, you know, and you've got a, you got a, you got a, you got an amazing brain. A lot of people might not realize this because you're so low profile, you're low key, you know, um, but you're such an active, um, supporter and actually, um, one of the, the main volunteers for Dr. Karen Becker and Rodney Habib in the Insights group. And as you said, you're like an admin for, oh, I don't know, how many groups are you an admin of? I have no idea. What What is it? Well, technically it would be the Dog Cancer Series, which is kind of active, but not really. It's mostly like um, when posts get reshared to the group. Um, the Life with Dogs and Cats, mm-hmm. that one, which that doesn't see a whole lot of action. Um, the Forever Dog has a group page, but it also has a Facebook page, which I get those confused all the time when I'm trying to look for something. <laughs> and then there's the Inside Scoop group as well. I believe those are all of it. Um, mm. I'm not Pretty sure that's all of them. Yeah. So and then, yeah, and then like other pages, the repository page that I kind of tinker with here and there when we find something to share or post about. But yeah. There's, there's a lot of pages. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pages and a lot of information that you actually go through. Um, I think the main one, the crux, the sense of the universe in, in that sense for our fresh feeding community is really the inside scoop. That's where things get generated out, you know, in a way for, well, as, um, you know, the 2.0 pet parents as we, 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 we seem to call ourselves. Um, yeah. And that, that has over a thousand members in it now. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Let me double check. Because I know last time I looked, I think it was... Oh, wow. It jumped. Yeah, there's there's 2,100 members. <gasps> in there. 
Really? Wow. Yeah, we were we were at nine hundred for like a while because there was like the first edition of Inside Scoop, and then we yep. had the cha- the whole group thing got changed around, so everybody yep. had to like move over, and that was a struggle um, to kind of tell everybody where to go. And we were at about just under a thousand for quite a while, um, but yeah, it jumped up. I did not realize it jumped that high, but it did. So yeah, two thousand members. Well, so I there's think there's a lot of new people that are just joining. <laughs> yeah, so that that's probably thanks to the Forever Dog book, you know, and 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 all that. Uh, marketing and publicity that the publishing company has been also, you know, generating uh, for, for the book as well, you know, so that's pretty cool. So, I mean, like, for me, it's a timing thing because um, I have listened on the audiobook, like, at least at least four times, probably more. I don't know. I've got a bit of OCD when it comes to, to listening to stuff. Um, but, um you know, like I told you, my memory's a bit of a thief sometimes. So like it goes in, it comes out, and then it might manifest and come out of the, 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 the woodwork somehow when, when I need it, you know. But to actually like remember uh, everything chronologically is a bit of a blur for me. So I thought this is timely, it's a timely thing because the book came out in September last year or October last October, year. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, October last year. So I thought, like, you know, this is actually a great time um, to to do this project, to, like, do a, you know, spend time with my favorite bird mama and, and have a review on the Forever Dog as a, as a project, you know, and also to give back to the community, especially for a lot of the new pet parents out there who might have never heard of the book. They don't know if they want to spend the money on buying the book, you know. Um, I love the book. Uh, the, hard, the hardcover, I've got, like, two i bought like several copies and i gave some away and then i've got like two hard copies now and i've got one that's uh signed by them the authors which i i love and i'm using it it's right in front of me because i need their their super you know their spirit to channel through me you know the power give me that that courage um but the audiobook um because i i think i'm better at listening and I like, and I'm always running around and doing stuff. So listening to, and doing things at the same time works works better for me. Um, the one criticism I have of the audiobook is that I wish Rodney and Dr. Becker read it because it was yeah. read by someone else. And um, I know, I know the publishers they with Audible. They usually, from what I understand, with Audible is that. They only want, you know, people who have the uh, professional voice to read the book, to generate the sales. But I think as, an, as a, a person who's followed them for, I don't know how long now, and an inside scooper, if they read the book, it would have uh, meant, you know, a lot more, uh, uh, another layer of uh, connectedness, you know, to them with the story. Sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that's my that's my one gripe about the audible book, the audiobook version, right? But other than that, um, I love this book so much. I actually have the cover of this book on my WhatsApp profile thing, you know, yeah. to to promote it, you know. Um, and whenever I see like dog parents, you know, I'll catch your ass. I'm like, oh, you know, I try to slip it in. By the way, have you heard of <laughs> have you read or heard of the Forever Dog? You know, you don't. Oh, you know, you should. Yeah, let me send you a link. You can go and you know check it out, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so this this project is something that I've been having in the back of my mind for a long time, and I thought I, you know, I don't have the confidence to carry it on my own because I'm such a 
holy person in my head sometimes. Um, but so who who can I who can I lean on for this and into and 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 pick a intelligent mind? And the first person that came out was Shayna Allen. I mean, like seriously, um, I said one of my favorite people. Honestly, I love spending time with her so much. So this is just a really nice excuse to at least spend another, you know, 10 chapters together. <laughs> we shall, and it shall be fun. We will do a lot of discussing of a lot of dog and... Yeah, yeah, because, you know, like, I... What what do you think of the book? Tell me. I've, I think it's great. I think it's great that there's information finally in a physical form, because not everybody likes the internet, not everybody knows where to look. We are so used to having, you know, books of information. We grow up learning from books of information. So to finally have something that's a physical copy, which I, I like to call it Dr. Becker's brain, like in book form. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to describe it. She did do, you know, the book of the writing. Rodney admitted to <laughs> doing the, the pictures and graphs from the science, but she did the book of the writing. Um, but it, it, it reads like Karen talks. So if you know how she talks that it's for me anyway it was easier to kind of glide through it i'm just like okay yes that's exactly how she you know formulates all of her knowledge that comes out of her um but yes i think it's it's wonderful to finally have something in physical form that we can tell people about and say here you can read it at your own pace you can read it at your own time instead of like sometimes not everybody is comfortable sitting you know in front of a computer screen Mm. reading bits and pieces of an article here and a, a tidbit there and all stuff everything's kind of like nicely packaged in a beautiful little book yeah but I, yeah i think um i think one of the things that i i also do tell um some pet brands because you know they, they some some of them are like say like oh i think there was like you know like might have been some errors in the book or you know or like what if the updates or stuff you know and i, and I tell them actually there's a, a website the forever dog website where you know any any updated information in real time will be updated there so you know i i do tell people like um you have to remember a book was printed at a specific time you know and that's it but in terms of information whatever that um moving forward in the timeline, you know, um, will get updated on the website. So if there's a, like, you know, um, typographical errors or whatever, or, you know, like new research is there, it's going to be reflected on, on their website. So I actually do tell people like, you know, go to the website, check it out, you know, and then it'll send you to links to the community where if you want to um, talk to other people who are, you know, are reading the book or ask more questions, um, that's the best place to go, um, really. Yeah. Foreverdog.com, yes. There's tons more resources there, all the science, because um, they didn't put all the links in the book. Otherwise, the book would have been, like, twice as big as it is. <laughs> there wasn't enough room, and they had to keep it so many pages in order to get it to print. Um, yeah. But, yes, all, of, every, all the studies that are referenced were all online on foreverdog.com. And I tend to, uh, yes, there were some typographical errors that were addressed, and those were corrected online. And there's also some great resources. There's extra PDFs. And I direct a lot of people to the recipes online because a lot of people were looking for recipes in this book. I believe there's only two. Yep. There's not very many. Um, there was two, like, kind of basic ones. But there's a ton more online graciously provided by several different um, 
formulators from around the world. There's quite a few from Australia too. So it can be uh, multi-useful for people who are just about everywhere. But yes, under the extras tab, under the resources, there's um, recipes and everything that people can find and definitely search out to help them on their journey. Yes, I remember page 242 because I've had to refer that uh, longevity uh, bone broth thing um, recipe to some pet parents because it was their ah, first yes. time doing it. And I was like, okay, you know, the book has a simple recipe. You can go for it. So I, it's funny. So I had to look for it and then I gave them the page number. So I remember mm -hmm. it's 242. Even in my sleep now, I still remember it's 242. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I know. See, some weird things stick in my brain sometimes when I don't realize it. Yeah. Oh. Yes. One thing I'll point out to kind of get started on this that sticks out with me is one of the first things I highlighted in my book was eat more. Sorry. I'm going to start that over. You can fix that. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not eat more. I know I highlighted it, and now I don't know where I put it. I even got all on my tags. Um, Is it in the I think it's in, it's in the introduction. No wonder. I'm looking in a completely wrong spot. Okay, there Hold you on. go. There it is. I was, I was in chapter one already. Yes. One of the um, first things I highlighted in this book, which I'm glad is very in the beginning portion of it, in the, in the introduction, is in bolded letters. is eat less eat fresher, move more and more often. And that's one thing that I hope people take away from just right off the bat is the eat less, eat fresher and move more. It's a great, great sentence to kind of kick off the little light bulb moments that are going to come in the book. Yeah. Oh, that's actually a really good quote. And I think a lot of people don't realize it now or yet is that this book is also going to help you the pet owner, if you if you get into it, yeah, and your brain's your noggin's gonna start, you know, turning a bit after a while. You're gonna realize that, hey, I can apply this to myself too, because if there's one thing that um, um, Dr. Becker, she she says that you know all the studies, you know that that's on longevity, for this book was actually really more or less tested on animals, you know, on dogs, you know, for the human for the human industry, for the human sector in that oh, sense. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, so whatever I would say in general works for the, the for your dog and cats, by the way, there's a, a lot of things that you can use for cats because I'm, I'm a, I'm a bipetual pet owner. So I have cats and dogs, <laughs> you know, and, and um, let me say that, you know, I have applied whatever I've learned from from this book and, and following um, Dr. Becker and, and Rodney like all these years is that, you know, whatever works for dogs, like, mm, I think, yeah, you know, so it's not toxic or, you know, the big, big warning sign there. Um, you can actually apply it to the cats, you know, and not just cats, but I would say any companion animals in general, the philosophy is there, you know, because what was your number one quote that you just said again? Eat less, eat fresher, and move more. There you go. <laughs> and I think if everyone followed that 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 simple principle in life, I think we'll all be a lot healthier. You know. Oh yeah, it's definitely kind of like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, 
it's a good kind of health quote just all everything wrapped up into one it's it's nice simple easily said you know easily remembered it's just literally eat we don't need to eat such big portions neither do our animals we need to eat fresher we don't need to eat so much processed food or ultra processed food you know and we do need to move more you know our animals need to get out and move we need to get out and move you know that's a lot of the foundational aspects of kind of being on the right path yeah well i would say this is an introduction to to why they started the book as well um mm -hmm. you know because if you read the book as you, in case you don't know the background of uh, dr karen becker and, and rodney habib um they it's because they were pet owners and dog owners themselves that you know what they went through with their dog's health issues uh, made them want to learn and and the more they learned then they started to share you know that information so this is really you know in essence um why we have the forever dog book really you know. I, I totally agree. And I think that's how a lot of people kind of got into it mm. is a lot of times you don't realize what you can do until you come across a problem. You have mm. a pet, you, you get it for the companionship or you love animals. And then somewhere along the line, some adverse health event happens and you want to be able to do the best you can. And usually that first animal, you don't really quite know what to do. You know, we're usually, we might be young when we have an animal or it might be your first time having an animal and you literally just, you get it because they're cute and fuzzy and you hope you can do the best. But yeah, something goes terribly awry and you want to be able to do and, you, and you're relying on, you know, veterinarians to help you through that process, whatever the adverse event is. You know, why did my dog get pancreatitis? Why did my dog get kidney disease? Why do they have these, you know, lumps and bumps on them? Why do they keep getting yeasty ears? Some, um, you know, dogs do well and then you have you know i i'm one of those types when something goes wrong i want to know why it went wrong and i want to know what i can do better the next time and i know there's a lot of us out there and it, it kind of gets your wheels going and your gears grinding and you learn and you want to look it up every every adverse health event i experienced with my animals i immediately ran to the computer and be like let me look this up let me understand the why so if i understand the why you know, you kind of work through it a little bit easier. And I think that once you learn little bits and you have, you know, something, you know, either an adverse health event or, you know, a tragic event with the loss of your dog from, you know, cancer you didn't even know they could get, it, those light bulbs go off. And then you're like, okay, what can I do better the next time? How did I learn from this? You know, how can I avoid this in the next yeah. dog? And, you know, hopefully learning from our mistakes. So I think that's a lot of it is... It was a it's a kind of a giant compilation of learning from our mistakes and then trying to do better and prevent those mistakes from happening again yeah because you know i think a lot of people who become first-time pet parents or pet owners um you know like you said they're accidental pet owners sometimes or like they're cute and fuzzy but they were not prepared for the responsibility or the expectations were not met you know they, they had an idealistic idea of what it meant to be a pet owner you know like fluffy dog you watch the movies and you think lassie that's it you know <laughs> and um unfortunately reality is that um crap happens literally you know mm -hmm. crap happens and what are you going to do with that crap and how are you going to manage that crap literally as well you know so 
like for me, uh, my very first pet that I adopted as a consenting adult was a cat. And I even, you know, I didn't even really think I wanted her, but she just came into my life as a kitten. And the first thing was that she was injured. And I was like, oh shit, you know, she's injured. And I didn't even like, oh, does that mean I've got to go to the vet? And what the hell am I supposed to do, you know? But uh, we went to the vet and the vet said, okay, we did a skin culture to figure out what's wrong with the, the leg. And it's like, okay, go back. Here's the medication. Come back in like, you know, 10 days or something. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> what? Um, I thought I was just doing a quick Samaritan kind of thing, like pick up, nah, you know, like, mm-hmm. here you go. But the, the vet said, no, here you go back, you know, you're not dumping the, the, the animal on me, take it back. I'm like, oh, you know, um, so I, I honestly became an accidental pet owner, um, quite reluctantly at first. Um, but when I realized that I wanted to adopt her, um, I did think in my very naive head at that time that the vet knew everything, you know, and that I could trust the vet 100% to give me the, the best, the correct advice mm-hmm. possible because I didn't know better, honestly. So, you know, my vet, and I'm not saying anything bad about my, my first vet because I think she represents all vets in general. They, they become a vet because they love animals, you know, and they're doing their best, but she's a conventionally trained vet, you know, and from her perspective, annual vaccinations was the way to go. So I vaccinated my first cat for the first five years of her life. And... You know, I started her with, um, you know, prescription diet, processed food, dry food, and she started having, like, problems, health issues, and vomiting. And then my vet said, well, maybe let's try wet and maybe not seafood, maybe, you know, trying to, like, filter things out um, from the conventional way of doing things. Um, So for many, many years, um, she was on, we tried all sorts of wet canned food. Because we tried to really get her off the drive. And I tell you, I was a 24-7 dry buffet supplier. You know. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, like, I didn't know better. Really. You yeah. know, I thought. Yeah. And, you know, the cat just, the kitten just kept making so much noise. And I said, you know, <laughs> shut up. Go to bed. You know. Here. Yeah, here's the food. Leave me alone. You know. <laughs> I, yeah. I need to sleep. You know. Can't do everything with you. Yeah, that's the story for millions of pet parents out there. Millions. Yeah. So the same thing. Yeah. So I did, you know, when I look back now, the number one thing I did was I put out a dish twenty four seven of dry food for my for my cat, you know, and and she and she ate like that and she got addicted to it. But when I realized that I had to switch her switch it out, it was a struggle. Oh, it was man. a real struggle because she was a kitty crack addict at that point in time you know, and, and trying to, to get her to suddenly, I was like reading, I'm like, Oh, what time meals? What the hell is that? Oh, okay. Uh, all right, let's try it. And it was very painful the transition because she ate whenever she wanted. And, you know, yeah. So I, I did everything I would say, um, you shouldn't really in the beginning as a pet owner. Um, and, and, one thing I want to share with all new pet owners today is that it's okay 
whatever you're doing is really is not your fault because you just don't know better we all start with zero knowledge and you know like monkey see monkey do as children you know you, you don't know you just follow whatever that's around you you know and until you you find an alternative answer like what Shana was saying like something goes wrong and you're trying to figure it out you know if if one way two ways is not working you sort of dig around and ask around to find for an alternative answer and that's how you become a better pet owner as well so really the forever dog book is like it's like a collection of fuck ups <laughs> because like, we yeah. know better yeah we, we know, know better, better. Yeah, yeah, it and, definitely is. I mean, I believe they said that. They're like, this is what we learn from, from our experience so that it do hopefully does not get repeated down the line. And you, the book can arm a lot of pet parents and, and pet owners, pet guardians with this information. Like, this, this is what we did. This is what we screwed up on. And this is how you can try to prevent it. <laughs> yeah. Not, have, not go through so much agony that, yeah. you know, earlier pet owners went through and get your pet to live longer and not have so much disease and you know destruction over the course of the life yeah. yeah so one of the things that i try very hard and it's it's difficult be because because as we as our knowledge improve we sometimes forget where we started sometimes you know there's a big jump in, in what we know and sometimes like my ego gets a bit big and i'm like oh no you should da -da, do this do this do this and then I, I i always forget that you know like hey when I started out as a pet parent, I really didn't know better. And suddenly you're coming with me with all this information and it's like a huge overwhelm. And then oh, some yeah. some people just get really like scared, you know, uh, by all this information. But this book, which I love, is that they, they have done their best to break it down into, I think, as bite-sized as possible um, mm -hmm. in terms of you know, the, the, the theme of the forever dog, like what are the main um, factors or conditions you should look out for, you know, and it's yeah. not just, it's not just about, it's not just about food, the forever dog. I mean, like a lot of us in the fresh feeding community, we always obsess about, you know, what you're feeding and stuff. But to be honest, um, that's only a small fraction, there's only like a part of your animal's life um, just like you as a human being, you're only eating just for a couple of hours a day. You know, the the, the rest of your, your, your waking moment, um, that affects your health. For sure, you know, 100%. It, you know, and that applies to your pets as well. Um, you know, that that's my, my, my kind of takeaway as a student, you know, of, of the forever dog, you know. And, and the thing is, um, it's so... So be gentle on yourself as you go through this book, because you you know especially if you're a first timer, a lot of these concepts might be very new to you, and then you're gonna start feeling a bit guilty because I think it's normal because we're all human. We feel guilty like oh my god, you know this is what I've been feeding or doing to my animals and I didn't know it. But once you know better, you'll do better. Exactly, exactly. I think we've all been through those moments. I I certainly have. I remember I look back from. What I was learning through the course of owning my Bernese um, at the end of his life and then still learning after his life passed, what I did wrong with him in certain aspects, and then what I did wrong with my Golden Retriever before that. And you you, you learn these bits of information and you're like, oh dear, <laughs> I could have done that, done that a lot better, but that's all I knew at the time. I knew I wanted to know more, but the information that was accessible at the time 
was not in this book format. Had I had this book, you know, back in, oh gosh, 2002, you know, or 2008, I'd been a lot better prepared. So I'm, I'm happy that it exists to give people the information to kind of avoid a lot of the mistakes. And yeah, you might feel guilty for, for what you're doing. It might point out some things, but in a way it's, it's, it addresses those, I guess, I don't want to say flaws, but just those things that we were not aware of. We can have those light bulb moments to say, hey, this is what I could be doing better. And some of them might work well um, in the course of, you know, your day or your week or your, or your life or how you function. But there's a lot of easy tips that can be applied. Um, really, really simple. And that's what I try to stress a lot, too, is even though the information may seem overwhelming at first, a lot of the tips are super simple, super, super easy. So even if you might realize that you could be doing a little bit better, there's there are easy fixes, really, really easy fixes to apply. Yeah. So, you know, so like chapter one, um, sick as a dog, you know, the um, is like why we and our companions are losing our longevity. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a short chapter. It's really, you know, uh, um, sharing their origin story in a way, but also, I would say, you know, um, why why are our dogs not as healthy as they were? I don't know in our grandparents' days. I don't know, you know. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, like when I talk to like my senior citizens in my neighborhood, right? They was like, yeah, you know, I never had to bring my dog to the vet. My dog ran around and, you know, ate whatever, what, you know, all this like commercial pet food kind of thing. You know, they never had it. The dog ate whatever the humans ate or they hunted or killed whatever, you know. Um, so it's like, why, why is modern, why are dogs today seem to be a lot sicker than say even like 50 50, 70 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And it goes into talking about how we've we've evolved with dogs and how they came into coexisting with humans, you know, 30 to like 150,000 years ago. They go into all that in the back history of how we've been able to co-evolve with them. But yeah, why, why have our companions gotten such shorter lives? You know, why is the golden retriever who used to live it was what like 16 17 years old mm. and then why are they only living to like 9 10 11 12 if you're lucky yeah you know what is a, a common denominator and you can't always totally pin it just on one thing so it's a lot of factors that are out there you know food is definitely yeah. um important but there's a lot of environmental factors out there so a lot of the life has changed to shorten the lives of our pets and you know trying to figure out and put all that information together to see what can we do better to yeah. get the life out of those animals so they're not suffering from so many issues of, of what's changed. Yeah, I mean, like, one, one of the things I, I, I like um, is to quote, like, you know, um, having your, your health span equal your lifespan, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, it's like the same with humans. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we can live long but are you living a healthy lifespan you know you can eat junk food you can eat mcdonald's and and 
uh, I don't know, KFC every day. That's not it. And I've done it before when I was younger, <laughs> honestly. Budget and everything. Same, you know? I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> you know, I, I've done it, you know, when you're working late and whatever, you just grab whatever that's available. Um, but I realized um, because I abused my health, because, you know, I was a workaholic and I just disrespected my body. I was a smoker. I used to drink a lot. So, and I used to have like, you know, really like crazy hours and stuff and all these factors, it's not just the food, really impacted my health, you know, um, I had a lot of gynecological issues as well. And I actually realized that, hey, whatever happening to me, it can actually be a parallel to what's happening to say your pet, because your pet is living in the same environment as you, you know, and I think, um, modern day society we are all living in a pretty urban environment now i mean like i live in singapore where you know we we live in a high-rise apartments kind of thing and so my dog doesn't have a backyard even you know it's a concrete jungle i live in so the only time she gets to go down is when i bring her down specifically for walks and pee walks and stuff like that you know so um her activity time is really based on how often I'm willing to bring her down. Yeah. And that, that's a very good topic because they do get into exercise and they get into like this, the, how our lives parallel can parallel and they pick up on that. So on, on the topic of like taking the time to get your dog out and get exercise and whether those people who live, you know, on, in rural areas, on farms, people who live in neighborhoods, people who live in high rises, like you do, Oh, I was talking about that with a friend of mine the other day. There are people that are just living in high-rise apartments. It's like your dog, unless you have like that, you know, a narrow little green space in your downtown area to have like a little dog run, you know, where can they go to have access to grass, to mm-hmm. have access to the environment? And in those kind of more um, concrete, concrete jungles, as you put it, yeah. um, you know, are they exposed to more environmental factors than they would be on a farm or in a neighborhood that has chemically treated lawns you know yeah. you can still have a lot of toxic areas with chemically treated you know the beautiful lawns in the neighborhoods as opposed to you know being on concrete and not getting access to grass or maybe you know anything that was sprayed around the you know decorative trees in your neighborhood too you know yeah yeah and at the same time you know the exercise factor is going to be completely different for someone in your living situation compared to someone in a neighborhood, compared to someone on a farm, you know, if you have a farm dog, they can go out and kind of have their run of the land. And, you know, those in apartments, they have to take the time and find the time in their day, however busy their schedule is, to take the dog out, get them on a walk, get them outside, get some sunshine, get some fresh air, you know, sniff around. There's a lot of factors, you know, and that all plays into if you've got a busy schedule and you're stressed out, you have to get up, go to work, you know, come back home, if you had a crazy day, your, your dog can pick up on that stress, and now you've got to drop what you're doing, you know, take him back down to the bottom floor, get him outside, get him on his walk, you know, it's a lot yeah. to, to factor in, and then you're expected to be a happy, normal, functioning person, and your dog is expected to be a happy, functioning, functioning, normal dog, you know, when you repeat that cycle over and over again, it's like, how does that affect them? It's, it's yeah. a lot to take in, a lot to think about. Yeah. So one thing I love when, um, cause they also mentioned the blue zones in the book and the blue zones is really, um, 
you know, for those who don't know, it's basically um, this dude, he was doing something for National Geographic and he basically like, you know, noticed that there were certain um, populations around the world that the elderly didn't seem to die off that easily, basically, you know, and not only did they not die off so easily, they were actually pretty active and flexible compared to say even myself right now, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of thing. Um, so it really is, you know, um, looking at your lifestyle at the end of the day, uh, because don't forget, whatever your dog's going through, it is a, a mirror reflection on what you are going through in life. You know, um, that that to me was a big, big aha moment, like in, in my journey was like, you know, um, if I want to improve the quality of health for my animals, I really have to start doing some self care for myself. You mm. know, so that was, um, so reading this book became a lot easier as well. Because when you understand that, that correlation, that link, it, it, it becomes a lot easier, you know? For sure. For sure. They, they definitely mentioned that, um, early on in the book about taking care of yourself is one of the best things you can do to kind of keep yourself, um, as lower, as low stress as you can, you know, and, and that will equate to, you know, kind of keeping everybody in the household calm as well. And also I know it talks about when, even if you've had a stressful day at work, and you come home and you walk in the door and you think you're good and you're just like, all right, I'm over it. But there's, there's studies. Um, I know Roddy talks about this quite a bit in his lectures is you can just the sweat you release from, you know, you, you might have a stressful moment, you get hot, you don't realize you're re releasing these stress hormones and these scents coming out of our glands. You know, you think you're good and you might have had an argument or a bad day early on, you get home and your dog can smell that. And your dog will kind of just kind of pick up the the vibe of the room and um yeah. the smells you're giving off and they can yeah they're taking that information yeah. and they, they relay that and they can pick up your stress just as yeah. well so that's why it's so important to yeah do whatever yeah. we can to mitigate that so for for the you know for the um, integrative holistic alternative side of um you know health for both humans and animals, you know, we talk about energetics sometimes. So it might sound a bit woo woo to a lot of people, like, oh, that negative energy, but there's actually a scientific basis behind that. That it is the the, the sweat, the, the when you're stressed, you do your cortisol levels go up, you know, your stress hormones go up, and you actually emit a certain smell, a scent coming out of your skin. You don't know it, but your animals can smell it, like dogs and cats. And birds, I mean, like really animals are like so blessed because they don't have this ego thing like the humans where, you know, we filter too much. We think too much with our left brain, right brain kind of thing, but mm -hmm. they just, they're so natural and they can sense it and it affects them because then they can feel like, oh my God, you're coming home. You're really angry. Why are you so angry? You know, why are you so pissed off? Not, and you might not think that you were that pissed off. It's just that you just had a shitty day at work, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and you bring home that crap. You know, and in the book, uh, one one um scientist actually did say like, have a, go have a shower straight away, change your clothes. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And actually, I do do that. Um, from a because I do um rescue work, 
you know, with, you know, cats, and I do trap, neuter, return, I sterilize and whatnot. But, you know, we, we, we handle outside cats, we feed the cats outside. So when we come back, and I just don't want to pass anything on me, because I've touched the animals to the ones at home, I go home, I actually change my clothes. I dump it in the washing, and then I have a shower, you know. And one of the basic things that I do is I actually wash my feet when I come home. Um, I think it's an Asian thing, because uh, Asians, we don't actually like to bring our shoes into the house. Because right. I know, like, a lot of Western people, they wear their shoes in the house, even in the bedroom, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, but for Asians in general, we like to keep our shoes outside or in a separate area because we don't want to bring in um, the dirt, germs, or whatever. Yeah. Or, oh, you yeah. Know, it, scientific it's, toxins, you know, yeah. from the, the chemical grass and all that, you know, the, the lawns and stuff. We don't like to bring it in. And even for my dog, even when she was a puppy and I didn't know better then, it was like a, a cultural thing for me. It's like, okay, dog comes in with me, we'll hose her down with just water, wash her, her, her paws, her butt, because she peed and pooped, right? And wash her undercarriage, as I like to call it, you know, the car, <laughs> um, but her undercarriage kind of thing, um, and dry her off. And that was the most basic thing that, you know, we do every day when we come back. And I didn't even know then that, oh, that was a good thing because now that we know better with the Florida and they talk about, you know, the toxins outside, you know, and, you know, um, maybe in a rural environment, you don't have that so much, but because I live in a very urban city, so, you know, we have car, a lot of car pollution. We've got, um, I live in Singapore, so it's tropical, you know, it's a humid country. So we do get mosquito breeding, dengue fever, you know, it, it, it is a, it's a, it's a concern all year round, mosquitoes. So um, there's fumigation going on, like on a schedule by the town council, you know, whatever they do to yeah. upkeep the, their state. So can you imagine they, they, they spray some chemicals in the drains or on the grass to kill off whatever eggs, you know, the mosquito mm -hmm. eggs and stuff or the larvae. And, and then you have People who are like in my estate, because I, I live in um, high rise buildings in my estate. So the town council, like once a month, they will, and I've, they will scatter bleach on the floor. Hmm. You know, because they are preparing to wash the floor with bleach. So they use like a jet spray and they go shh everywhere. Oh, yeah. To, to, to clean the estate, right? Because that's the easiest way. But the bleach sometimes is on the floor for a couple of days before the cleaners get to spray. So it's not done immediately. You know, it's like, okay, let's prep for the work. So they put bleach everywhere, you know, on walkways and stuff. So it's like your dogs, your cats, um, the community cats, they walk on it. Sometimes we can tell when they get a bit sick, you know, so we actually give them milk thistle. Nice. Yeah, you know, in their food. Um, for my dog as well, um, she gets dandelion in her food, um, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, when you live in a city environment, there's a lot of crap, not just talking about chewing gum or, you know, um, spit on the floor, urine on the floor, but um, there are toxins everywhere you go, um, outside, and we are outside a lot of the time, so we will actually have all that stuff on us as well. You know, so 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, that's a very important thing. I was, um, I believe it is in the first chapter where they talk about, you know, having, having an area that's too clean that we, mm. we grow up thinking that clean is great and clean is good. And to a point it is, but being too clean can almost be too toxic because Correct. the chemicals you're using to clean with sometimes aren't yes. always the safest things. You know, they're walking on these chemicals, whether it be grass or on a floor that's just been, you know, treated with whatever, they're absorbing that through their feet. And if you're not giving up a, a paw wash before you come in, they're going to come in. They might be licking their paw. If you got a dog that's a heavy paw licker, even if it's not, you know, consistent, they still, you know, well, what's that smell on my foot now? You know, and they might lick it off. They're going to get that in their body. Um, there's been study to show that too, that they can, the dogs and cats have been tested to find all these chemicals that are in their blood and their urine samples because they're just toxins that they're casually ingesting and coming into contact with because we're not thinking about you know they don't get a bath every day like i know and it's carcinogenic that's the thing isn't it and what they have we are getting it too you know and and i think that is a very good thing you brought up because it's like especially with covid people just got really obsessed in the last couple of years about germs you know i have i i do have friends who are germophobic to an extreme where you know they they are constantly cleaning everything and i'm like whoa it's like yeah you want to be clean but you don't want to be that clean especially if you're using chemicals to clean um you know and and they they sort of think like the smell of dettol i don't know what's dettol pine soul maybe i think that's the version you have in in the u.s probably um but like or laundry detergent you know the stronger they can smell that bleachy or chlorine or, or whatever, Clorox or whatever, they they think it's a clean, that means it's, it's a clean, safe environment. But they don't know it's the off-gassing as well that's going to kill you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I will tell you a side story real quick. When I worked with birds years ago, we would use bleach to clean the bird rooms because you had, we had bird feces, you know, on the rubber mats that all the trees were above. So we had to go through every day and clean them twice a day. And I I know the smell of bleach very well. I have burned my nose hairs very well. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, it smells so strong. It's doing its job. Not realizing that you're inhaling that. And then, a, you know, a little while later, we throw bleach on there. We try to, you know, rinse it off as best we could. But then, you know, those animals, they're playing in it. And you think nothing of it because we're told... We have to clean because to a point we do need to be clean, but yeah, you can totally be over clean. Yeah. And I, I think, um, one of the things that, you know, um, I took away was that, um, do try and find greener, cleaner, um, in chemical, um, greener, non-toxic, um, cleaning products, you know, um, that would help, you know, uh, to improve the situation. Because you, we have to remember that our animals are not wearing clothes or shoes like like us. And I mean, like birds especially, they're so small. So can you imagine what, what we think is just a smell will be like a lot stronger for them. And it will, oh, yeah. and it, it will literally kill them, you know. And so... you think dogs, dogs can smell, their receptors are what, 10,000 times stronger than ours, I believe it is. It's, it's, mm. it's a super, you know, they've got super smeller noses yeah. way better than we can. 
So if, yeah. if our cleaners feel strong to us, it's definitely strong to our dogs and cats. Yeah, and and cats, they love, I mean, like, ask any cat owner, they like to lie in our laundry basket or, you know, the wardrobe with all the clothes in. So can you imagine, like, if you're using really strong laundry detergent and then the fabric softeners and, you know, w whatever, they, they're actually absorbing it um, into, their, into their body, into their bloodstream, you know, just by being there. So yeah. yeah, it it was, yeah, it it was like uh, a a lot of light bulb moments for me, you know, in in my journey, but yeah. So I don't know, stress stress can kill you, so and it yeah. can kill the dog. It can kill the animals too. So. Yeah. One other topic I think is good early on in the book is about the fact that changing gears a little bit is dogs do not have a carbohydrate requirement. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that, and it's not something we think about. Yeah. And I love this sentence here. It says, dogs do not have a carbohydrate requirement, and the average bag of grain-based food is often more than 50% carbs, largely from insulin-raising corn or potatoes. A lot of conventional pet food has corn listed as the first ingredient or very early on in the ingredient panel. So not only do a lot of newer pet parents may not know to read the ingredient labels, they don't realize how much carbs are in the um, in the food, what causes it, um, and how the obesity epidemic is happening for a lot of our pets. So not only are we kind of toxifying them with chemicals, we're also adding to their metabolic health rate by not understanding what is kind of what their body requires. And I think that's the hard part to kind of come to a little bit of a, a learning moment of is when you get these animals is how do you take care of them kind of peacefully and smoothly, keeping them as healthy as possible? And then also coming like a part-time nutritionist at the same time when you're not prepared to become a part-time nutritionist, <laughs> you know, and just learning these little, but then I love these little nuggets of information. You know, mm. when I, when I learned that, that dogs really shouldn't be eating as many carbs, carbs are good. They do have their place, but they shouldn't be ingesting, you know, 50, 60, 70% carbs of their diet. And that is also equating to a shorter lifespan. Yeah. Especially ultra well. processed carbohydrates. Yes. You know, that, 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 that was like a huge um, learning curve for me. Um, and I think that's where a lot of uh, pet parents start to get a bit uh, jiggly is the mm -hmm. diet part, you know, cause they're like, what? We can't feed dry food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but dry food is, Unfortunately, um, the cheapest food on the market, well, I mean, it's expensive dry food, but I would say from a um, beginner pet parent, you say you're starting out um, and you know, you're on a tight budget. Um, and I'm, I'm also, you know, I, 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 I was like one of those pet parents before is that, you know, oh, what's a cheap, good food that I can feed that yeah. made me a good pet parent, but you know, it's within my budget, you know? so. Dry food, there is um, no nice way to say this, but there's no such thing as a really good dry food. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. Um, I think now the market, they, they, they're, they're making some less ultra-processed dry food, right? Yes, there's, there's more things that have come out that are mm. not as offensive as older products have been. Yes. Yeah. 
but um yeah they still um, have some they have some room to grow um mm, but yeah they're not they're not yeah as, yeah i think the worst offenders are what one, one thing as a pet owner and because i i deal with a lot of sick animals in my volunteer work plus as a pet owner like well i i screwed up as a pet parent was that um the pet food industry is a a very dark place to go it's a deep deep hole when you start trying to peel the layers and understand what's going on because um and i think one of the best websites that helped me was um susan thixton's website the truth about pet food it's a really good website where she she does write a lot of articles to try and educate and highlight the the obfuscation you know where they they hide a lot of things with a lot of jargons because one thing i really didn't know because you know as a parent you, you when you walk down the aisle you what attracts you as a human being is the nice pictures Mm-hmm. You know the, col- the, the colors and like the the rainbow effect you get walking down. It's like oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, and and you know when you see a dog food or a cat food and there's a steak there or a nice roast chicken and a carrot and you know and you say oh yeah you know that that yeah I eat that so that'll be good for for my animal you know you you're sort of thinking that that's the kind of, of quality food that you're feeding your animals, um, but I. And I never really looked at the ingredients because number one, the back of the of the bag is usually really like small word print. And the older you are, I, younger people have better eyesight because you don't have that thing as you grow older. But I need reading glasses uh, now and tiny print doesn't work for me anymore, <laughs> you know. But if when I started to look at the ingredients, I I realized I did not understand any word of it. You know, um, yeah, and yeah, or even a, if you think you know, even if like even if they say if you can't pronounce a word, they say to avoid that. But even if they are pronounceable words, I remember looking at ingredient panels early on. I'm just like, okay, there's you know, there's carrots in here, there's chicken in here. I, you know, I knew about byproducts kind of early on and tried to avoid those. You know, I was like, oh, there's corn. I didn't really know how good or bad corn was or soy or whatever. And then you see down towards the bottom, like, oh, there's apples or blueberries or, you know, whatever is on the front of the packaging, mm-hmm. but it's on the bottom of the list. And until you learn how the order of the list goes, which I love that Susan talks about quite a bit, um, and Karen and Ronnie talk about it as well, they call it the salt divider. Anything after the salts listed in the ingredient panel, there's usually minuscule amounts of it. So you might get those pretty blueberries and um carrots yeah. and corn and green beans on the front of the package but there's not a whole lot yeah actually in the food so you can there's different stages of understanding that ingredient label and understanding the packaging and that's yeah that's a complete rabbit hole to go down into and I yeah think that that's a whole course on its own but yes. the, the one thing about the salt divider thing that rodney and susan i mean like they they brought up is that salt is usually about maybe one percent of the whole um volume of ingredients right it's like maybe one percent so anything below salt it's going to be less than one percent ish you know that was a big light bulb moment for me i remember watching the video uh talk that he did about that several years back and i was like what Hmm. what is this sorcery going on so yeah that was like i said you can think you know ingredient panels or you might hear about reading ingredient panels and you you think you know what's going on but until you kind of really 
get down mm-hmm. in that wormhole. It's a it's a whole nother ball game when you realize what is actually yeah, in and the and even. Even the terminology for ingredients used in marketing on the bag, what it means in our Oxford Dictionary is what we think it should mean. That's not actually, that is, doesn't equal to the meaning of how they printed it on the bag based on, well, in the US it's AFCO, um, hmm. the uh, what, American... There's NRC as well. Yeah. And then there's, I think, Wasaba. Yeah, but you know all these um, so-called uh, pet food regulation uh, people, whichever country you're in. Uh, but most of the time, we usually follow AFCO, A A F C O, because uh, it's the U.S. Um, but like, there's a dictionary, there is a terminology there, that it doesn't mean the same thing in our Oxford dictionary, mm-hmm. or you know your Macmillan dictionary in the U.S. I don't know what dictionary you use. But all Cambridge, Oxford, you know, for the rest of the Commonwealth, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so when you hear like bone meal or chicken, you know, um, things that even the word natural on the bag doesn't actually mean natural as our human dictionary meaning is, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's um, that is like one whole poor, um, deep dive you know, that maybe one day we'll do. Uh, but yeah, so these are things, you know, as we, as we learn as a pet parent and the carbohydrate thing that really like, um, started me going like, Whoa, you know, like so many things I did not realize, you know, but actually going back again, is actually pretty simple. If you eat fresh food, you know, you feed fresh, then you won't really have so much of this, um, commercial confusion in the in the pet food world yeah and even so as as they stated in the book replacing as little as 10 percent of your dog's daily processed pet food can create a positive changes in the dog's body so even if you aren't sure you know or uh totally dived into ingredient labeling and what everything means even if you are feeding uh processed pet food 10 percent, just add in some blueberries add in some leafy greens you know that little piece of apple that you're just not feeling it, you know, you got one apple that, you know, is not totally rotten, but it's still edible. Yep. Give it to the dog. You got some blueberries left over, give it to the dog. You got a little bit of broccoli left over, give it to the dog. You know, you got some green beans left over, you know, unflavored, unseasoned and all that stuff. You know, you can add a few little things just to kind of help mitigate, you know, what is in that commercially processed yep. pet food. Yeah, I would say table healthy, like table scraps um that is i would say not cooked fats but that's a different story there but um but just vegetables i mean like i've given my dog like parts of my salad stuff that is a bit withered and stuff you know like i'll I'll give it to her in her food you know i I might blend it or whatever depends but you know um that that 10 20 percent increase of fresh vegetables fruits and veg makes a huge difference to your processed diet oh, yeah. for your dog. Yeah. And, those, and those nutrients are still alive in processed mm. pet food. It's, I think it's later on in the book where they talk about how much, how many times it's cooked and those mm. nutrients are not live anymore. So if you're adding real live, like a carrot you got from the grocery store a couple of days ago, you know, a blueberry you just got, you know, maybe some strawberries you just got, that's still live 
food <laughs> that has more yeah. nutrients in it than a little burnt brown piece of kibble. Yeah. And and I was like um explained to like pet parents like, you know, think of a bag of kibble like eating a, a box of cornflakes, you know, for humans. Um, they'll tell you that it's fortified with vitamins and minerals for your Kellogg's Special K or whatever, <laughs> or Captain Crunch. Um, but the thing is, you, if you ask yourself this question, it's like, can, should I be eating this 24-7 every single right. time? You know? Yeah. How would you and, feel if you got presented a bowl of the same bowl of cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Every and no, day. yeah, yeah. I Regardless mean, like, if it has all the nutrients in it to, to suffice your body to survive, you know, we're mm. able to voice our opinion. That's another good um, kind of topic they touch on as well, as we don't give our animals a whole lot of choice in some regards, especially when it comes to food. You know, mm. if I if I was your caretaker and I said whether you like it or not, you know, even though you can you can tell me as a human <laughs> what you like and what you don't like, our dogs and cats can't. You know, you say, here's a bowl of cereal, here's a bowl of cereal, here's a bowl of cereal. And at some point, you know, some dogs should be like, uh-uh, they back away, they're not touching it. But a lot of times they're happy to eat because it's food. You're starving, you're yep. going to eat it. I know. But, yeah, it's yeah, crazy it's, to think it's, about. It's funny because once I started feeding fresh, my dog doesn't have a problem with, she's not fussy with food. Honestly, she enjoys her meal. She she whacks it down so fast. I think like, I'm like, oh, I need to slow her down, you know? But but I have like dog owners who come to me and you know they say like, my dog's very fussy. It takes like more than half an hour for them to eat a bowl of dry food, you know? And, you know, and it's like, yeah, exactly what you said. If you keep giving a bowl of cornflakes, how often do you want that bowl of cornflakes? You know, yeah. so it's it's something to think about. I think as a takeaway, is like your 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 human doctor or GP uh, would actually always advise you to try and eat fresher, eat the colors of the rainbow, eat less processed food. But in the pet food world, we don't get that that sage advice, you know, and it's the complete opposite direction where they're telling you to keep eating that bowl of conflicts mm -hmm. you know and, you know and even though our, our animals are a priority in our lives we want to make them a priority because we love them dearly and they're they're members of our family sometimes um what we feed them doesn't register as a priority when you're when you're starting out like i said like we, or like we both mentioned early on it's just like you you get that dog because you want a companion they were adorable either you you got them on purpose or you ended up with them accidentally and now they're yours <laughs> you know you do want to do what's best and you just want a happy, happy animal. But um, because we're not all nutritionally trained in what to look out for, when you get that nice little fluffy bundle of joy and whether it's a brand new puppy, a brand new kitten or, you know, adopted older dog mm. and you're just starting out, it, uh, it, it's, it's kind of little light bulb moments to realize what is a priority to keep them happy and healthy and living longer yeah so i i would say like for me takeaways like really like there are many factors towards improving your animal's health you know there's the environmental there's the food you know the stress um and uh, what's that big big word that i learned epigenetics you know like yeah. the triggers 
Um, and it, I mean, like if you're in the human world, we, you, you might have heard it like for cancer and stuff, epigenetics, um, you know, your gene expression. So like, you know, you, by, by improving the environment around with all these little factors, you, you will improve your, your dog's health, chances of a better health, you know, same with the humans as well, you know, um, that's why I like, I, I actually see so much correlation similarities between when this, what this book talks about in terms of health, longevity, you know, you can really apply it to yourself. And it's thanks to my animals that I started to become more aware of all these things, you know, um, and really like, I, I love the forever dog because it really like brings all these um, thoughts onto, you know, one book for people who are um not so keen on di digital stuff online stuff you can bring this and there's a power outage you can still read this book you know offline <laughs> you know nothing to do read the book so yeah so this is yeah this was like wow we've talked for what almost an hour yes <laughs> on, on this but yeah so i yeah so i hope you know um you guys enjoyed this um, first episode, you know, uh, uh, for us to start sharing our thoughts on this book, man. Um, we can do a lot more, but I think it's quite late for Shana as well. What time is it over there for you? Uh, it's 11 o'clock, so I'm still yeah. awake, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, the girl has to go to work. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really want to thank Shana uh, for sticking out with me and humoring me with this this uh project uh you know to to help me with this project because like i said don't you think she's got an amazing brain she's got all this information <laughs> so that's what i love about her you know so yeah this is this is great thank you it's, it's been quite enjoyable thank yeah. you Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.